You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Are you guys ready to do this? I want to talk today about God's desire to make people whole. I, I, God does not just want to rescue people from hell. He does. But he doesn't just want to give people a ticket to heaven. Though that's what we get, right? We, we're rescued out of sin. We're rescued out of darkness. Um, but God, does, God, what Jesus paid for us to have is more than just a ticket to heaven. So that, and then we get to live miserable, sick, sad, desperate lives here on earth. That's not, that was not what he came to give us. And I feel like as a church, we can do better in this. Um, we have something really beautiful to give the world. Jesus is beautiful. What he died to win back for us is incredible. And again, it's not just a ticket to heaven. If that's all it were, that would be amazing. But it's so much more than that. It is wholeness in every area of life. And if we're going to be mopey, frumpy, dopey, sad, we're going to have all the problems just like the rest of the world. And I'm not, look, we're all growing, we're all progressing, but there should be some growth and progression as believers as we get to know him more, we become more like him, we become more free, we become more whole. So I'm not saying like get it together now, but I'm saying I don't know that all Christians believe or understand that there is a progression, that you do go from glory to glory, that you do grow, you do increase, you get more whole in this life, and that is our testimony, what God is doing in my life, that we have to offer the world, and we can lean, you know, to somebody two steps back, we can say, come on, friend. Um, what God, this is what I wrote down, what God set in motion on the cross was the empowering of a generation, okay, and I'm empowering of us, this, a, a generation, everybody, not just the apostles, because some people think that the Holy Spirit left when the apostles died. Okay? What Jesus did on the cross was he came to empower believers, empower generation, and restore people back to his original plan and design. To partner with God to make this planet, make this place look just like heaven. Think about what heaven looks like. It is beautiful. It is full of life and creativity. It is ordered. It is under full submission to God and his kingdom. Under God's perfect rule and reign, there is no curse. There is no sickness. There is no poverty. Okay, there aren't things like that. We know here on earth, all things are not yet under his perfect rule. But we are here as his ambassadors, as his children, to make our, our neighborhood, our workplace, the school we're in, to look like heaven. I have a lot of pre-notes that now I don't feel like reading to you. Here's the thing that really struck me years ago. I was studying about I was studying um, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, when you guys know on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on all of the disciples. I think there were about 120. There were a lot. It wasn't just the 12 in the room. Holy Spirit falls, empowers them to go. Jesus experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was sinless, so he didn't need saved to be saved, right? He didn't need to die for himself. 
Then he goes, anyway. But he, he was baptized in water. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What, what dawned on me was that what Jesus was modeling, he came as a man. He didn't come as God and do what he did. He didn't minister as God. He did it as a man, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to model what life for you and I was to look like. We're not meant to do this without power or authority, and you have the power and authority through the Holy Spirit. That blew me away. And then you've got to think, okay, he's modeling what we're supposed to be like. Think back to the garden. That was his original plan and intention and purpose that we would rule and reign and subdue and bring this earth, the things in our world, make it look like heaven, partner with God. Um, if you don't understand this or if you don't believe me that we are to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, moving on this earth in powerful ways, in authority, you're not going to seek out the gifts of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. We are told to eagerly desire those gifts. And if you don't believe me, if you think that's just what the apostles did, you're not going to seek this out. You're also probably not going to pray for the sick and see them healed. You're not going to fight for deliverance from the, for people and yourself from the devil's bondage uh, in your life or fight for others, right? If you don't believe me, you're not going to courageously ask Jesus for all that and all that he paid to give you and he wants to release through you. And you're going to be reduced to living a form of godliness with no power. And I think a religious spirit, first of all, it's mean, but I think a religious spirit loves to move into hearts in that condition that have said, for whatever reason, excuse themselves from the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was bad theology. Maybe it's, that's weird. That's scary. I get it. It's a little different sometimes. But if, if we, um, we cannot be reduced to living in that form of godliness with no power, um, what happens when that religious spirit moves in is that we will take up the word as a weapon to use against people rather than, rather than an instrument to heal and protect. Because all you have are rules and a check mark and a ladder to climb and I'm better than you and judgment and makes sense. Okay, but when you're moving in the Holy Spirit, you have the word of life that brings healing and wholeness and you have something more to give than just a ticket to heaven, and then let's shape up and do the best we can until we get there and be miserable on the way. Okay? Um, so I want to look, if you guys want to turn to Isaiah 53, this is just the warm-up, but hang with me. I want to talk, I want to look real quickly at what did the blood of Jesus purchase? What were the, the beating and the wounds that he took? What were the stripes on his back? Why were they significant? And what does it mean for us today? And can we really be made whole, spirit, soul, and body? And the answer is yes, but let's look at it. In case you have to leave early, the answer is yes, you can. <laughs> Just spoiler alert. Okay, God wants all people to be made whole. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1. And I'm reading from the NLT. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. 
There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Okay, let's pick this apart a little bit. This is a, um, I didn't say this. It's, it is a prophecy about Jesus. Okay, verse four, it was our sickness. Okay, um, in the one I read, it said weaknesses, but the word, it's a better translation is it's our sicknesses that he lifted, accepted, suffered, bore, and carried away. He carried away your sickness that day on the cross. If you have sickness in your body today, it is, uh, what's the word? Illegally operating. It is, what is the word? Something like that. It's not allowed to be there. Let's kick it out. Okay, it was our, let me see, is our sorrows that weighed him down. It was our pain of soul anguish, affliction, grief, and sorrow that weighed him down or that he carried away, okay? Our pain of soul, our anguish, affliction, grief, and sorrow. Okay, so we've seen there's a physical healing of sickness. There is a soul healing of, of this um, pain of soul, anguish, affliction, grief, sorrow, depression, anxiety. There's this soul thing going on that he has dealt with. Verse 5, he was wounded or pierced um, for our willful sin-inspired rebellion. He was pierced. He was wounded for our, our rebellion, our willful sin-inspired rebellion or guilt of transgression. Okay, he paid that price. Verse 5, again, he was bruised or crushed. This meant he was broken to pieces for our depravity. He wasn't, he was perfect. He was sinless. What happened to him? He carried our depravity. He carried our perversity and iniquity. Okay. Beaten so we could be whole. Um, this speaks of a discipline, a correction, a rebuke, right? He took our punishment to give us peace. And that's the Hebrew word shalom, which is a beautiful, all-encompassing word that often goes hand in hand with ideas of salvation, wholeness, salvation, restoration, healing, soul peace. I wrote it down. Completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, safety, soundness. Okay, all of those things. And then verse 5 again, with his stripes, his bruises. Okay, yours might say bruises or stripes. We are healed. This means we are mended by stitching. We are cured repaired, we are made whole to cure thoroughly. It sounds, I mean, there's, it's a nuanced difference word to word, right? And maybe I'm the only one that geeks out over that stuff, but I think it's worth mentioning. There is a physical healing. There is a restoration of righteousness, of right standing with God, that our spirit was made new, was, was recreated, was, a, it's, the word in the New Testament says, you are a new creation. That means you are an unprecedented, never-seen-before creature in Christ Jesus. 
unprecedented. The world had never seen anything like you made new in Christ. He restored our souls, yes, but he didn't stop there. He, he took the beating so you could have peace. Not, not have the anxious thoughts and the depression plague you and, and addictions and fears and worry. Heal your soul and your body to not have sickness and disease plague you and follow you. It has no right and no authority. And we have got to, you know, we're talking about ministering to people. You know what, you know what ministers to people and tells them that God loves them? When you say God loves you and he wants to heal you, this is, this is a package deal. I think what the church, and I'm not mad at, you know, this isn't about you guys, we got to be careful that we're not saying, oh my gosh, you got to get to heaven, you got to get to heaven, you got to get to heaven. But there's no power for life today. There's no freedom for you now. It's just one day you'll, you'll get to be with Jesus. I'm like, why would I want that? That doesn't help me today. I don't know. That's what I think people would probably think. Um, I just want to mention really quickly, you can turn there if you want, but Luke 19.10 in the Amplified Classic says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And that is a distinction in some of our translations. It says God came to seek and save the lost, which we assume is people. I would say, this is a better translation, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Our relationships, our ability to connect with one another, our ability to connect with God, our wholeness, our healing, he came to seek and save everything that was lost at the fall. Not just, again, a ticket to heaven. And look, that's, again, if that's all we got was Jesus, (laughs) that's good. But in Jesus we have, and he paid for all of these other things. You guys get that? Do you want me to say it 10 more times? (laughs) Because I'm going to. So this word saved in Luke 19, he came to seek and save that which was lost, is the Greek word sozo. This this word is often translated save, um, and a few times it's translated as to make whole, heal, or be whole. And and just for simplicity, I'm not going to read all of the definitions and ideas to you, but Bill Johnson, of course, in his beautiful way that he does, has simplified this down to two sentences. So, one, actually. Let me see one period. Nope, two. Okay. He says, the word save in the original Greek language is the word sozo. Got it. It refers specifically to the forgiveness of sin, okay, the healing of disease, and the deliverance from torment. So what I see in this is the, your spirit, your soul, and your body made whole in this word, in this package, if you will. Okay, Jesus came on the scene to take back everything we lost at the fall, and he paid the price as if he was the one that had betrayed God. He paid the price. He took the beating as if he was the one whose sin had the right, had whose, sorry, let me read my notes better. He took the beating as if he was the one that sin had the right to break. Sin had the right to break us. We bowed our knee, we sinned, we rebelled, we disobeyed God. That's what we welcomed in. Jesus took the punishment. He was bruised as if it was his penalty to accept death and destruction. He paid the price that we could not pay and thus required the freedom of everything that was lost in exchange. 
Okay, that's again, that's our relationship with the Father, our authority over sin and the devil, our power to set others free in Jesus' name, our freedom, our health, our well-being, our connections to each other. There was no debt that was not paid, no punishment left undone that you were liable for. No debt owed. It was all done, all completed for you. Nothing was undone by the blood of Jesus. Left undone. So, you guys doing okay? I don't know where to go. I mean, I do. I'm just going to keep going, but this is how the whole thing has been. You guys good? Okay. This is good news. Okay. All right, so I want to give you a little litmus test. You've heard this before here about how do I know what's God's will? How do I know if it's the devil? How do I know if I should fight something, right? Like, I I think it makes me mad when people pray for somebody who's sick and they say, God, if it's your will to heal. I'm like, if it wasn't his will, it was really cruel of him to beat up Jesus to set you free from sickness. It is God's will that you are well and whole and healed and why we don't always see it on the side of the cross. I don't know and I'm not going to try to create weird theologies to decide that. I think the best answer I heard was a couple ideas in the same vein, I guess. One is sometimes we just run out of time to build up our faith to see the miracle. Sometimes things are so raveled that we can't see in the spirit world that we just run out of time and their bodies can't hold on anymore. Sometimes we live on a fallen planet where we have allowed sin to reign and rule, where people have a free will to drive too fast, to drink too much and get in their car or, you know, it's no fun, but that's where we live. So I can't answer all the questions and I don't think we were meant to. But I think it hurt so much because we were not supposed to experience death. We were not designed to experience death and destruction and all the results of sin in this world. But here we are. John 10.10 in the New Living Translation. Jesus says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So here's your litmus test to decide what is going on in your life. Is it full of God's life? Let's talk about this. Uh, Well, let me just stay on track. The thief wants you discouraged. He wants you beat down. He wants you exhausted, frustrated, hopeless, betrayed, and dead. He wants you dead. He has destroyed many people before they've even left their bodies. You've probably met some of them. There's nothing really left that's in them. It's human in them, right? Totally destroyed. That's the thief's purpose. Okay, Jesus says his purpose is to give you a full, abundant, over and above, more than is necessary, as God has it, life. Okay, he said, I appeared on the scene that you might be fully possessed of the absolute fullness of life which belongs to God. That word for life is Zoe. It means life just as God has it. So if you're not experiencing it right now, life as God has it, and the fullness and the peace and the, you know, what does it say? Oh, I love this in the definition. The life that he gives, he maintains. Isn't that good? This Zoe life, this life as God has it, if that's not in you, then 
it's available to you. But if you're facing something that is other than that, it might be because of your dumb choices, some repentance and turning around and renewing your mind and thinking like God might be necessary. But, um, yeah, if you're not experiencing that, that's your litmus test. If there's sickness, that's not from God. If there's depression and discouragement or hopelessness, that's not from God. Those are, those are rooted in lies. So you don't have to believe that. Um, I wrote this down. Did, Je- did Jesus just bring us spiritual life or did he bring life to everything concerning you? And are you experiencing this kind of life? So all that to say, it's a really bad salvation message because I didn't mean for it to be a salvation message, but salvation provides healing, deliverance, redemption for you, spirit, soul, and body. So a little refresher when we say spirit, we mean the eternal part of you. Everybody you meet is either eternally alive or eternally dead right now. We are eternal beings. Okay, your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Sometimes the Bible refers to that part of you as your heart or your in, inner being, um, and then you're a body, you, ha- you live in a body, okay? So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a three-part being. So let's, I want to look at, this is, this is where this all started, in true fashion to how I do this, take a running start at it. I want us to look at a verse, turn to Mark 5. We're going to look at how Jesus I love this. And, and this isn't the only t- example in here. It's just the one I pulled out. He sees people. He looks at them. He sees the person, right, which can be very healing. You think of people, the blind beggars who were worthless in, soci- in that society, blind beggars who just, you know, trash and rubbish on the side of the road. He stops and looks at them. What do you want from me? How emotionally healing is that? When your whole culture has said, you must be blind because of your sin, so that you're bad, you're evil, we can't touch you, we can't interact with you, and Jesus says, I see you, okay? The soul, he, he reaches out to their soul, you know, and then he heals their body, and, and then, you know, says, now stop sinning or something worse will happen to you, you know, right? Like, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus is not just like, here's a ticket to heaven, just say you believe in me. Oh, you're still blind? I'll fix that when you get to heaven, We have that promise too, but he did so much more than that. And we have this promise and we have the ability to bring this to our world. Mark 5, starting in verse 24. I don't know why this is the one that he highlighted to me, but here we are. Jesus went with him and all the people crowding around. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, so she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched my robe? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. 
And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You know, often we look at these verses like this where Jesus is interacting with people and we, we see them through Western American culture. First century Judaism, it was illegal for women to be outside without, I think it was husband, another man that was family. I don't know if it was just husband, that was probably brother would have worked or son. It was illegal for her to be outside by herself in public in this situation. Illegal for her to be around men other than her husband. So she was a little scared, as you can see. Like, why would she be afraid? Because she was going to die if she got caught. Uh, what was the other thing? Bleeding for 12 years. She was considered unclean that entire 12 years. She could not go to the temple and worship. She would have been considered an outcast because she was not part of the temple worship. I mean, you know, Susie, I know she hasn't been to church for 12 years. Must be unclean. Can you imagine the emotional shame and pain? She spent everything she had to try to get better. If she was married, that was probably, you know, sketchy because, again, anybody or anything she touched would be considered unclean for a period of days. I think it was three to seven, I don't remember. So every time you touch your kids or your husband or the dog, it's unclean. It's a lot of emotional trauma. Um, but here's the things I love. Twelve years, she hadn't given up. She heard something about Jesus that gave her courage and faith to go out in public, to risk her life, though at that point she might not have, it might not have mattered. She's probably pretty frustrated. And take hold of his garment. I love, she said, if I touch the robe, I will be sozo. Okay, we just looked at that word. I will be saved. I will be healed. Then it says she touched the robe, his robe, and became, I'm going to butcher this word, sorry, Iome, cured, made whole. Again, a slight nuance, but doesn't quite encompass as much as sozo. She became cured, but not Sozo. Make sense? Jesus calls her out. She, and you know, the way Jesus interacted with women in the culture was not the cultural norm. So it's, again, it's easier for us to read the Bible and go, well, yeah, that's how you treat women. You're kind to them. And, but he calls her out. They have this interaction. She's courageous enough to come forward and say, I am a woman out in public by myself, unclean, touched you. Now you're unclean, except we can't make Jesus unclean, which is beautiful. He makes us clean. He looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has made you sozo. Isn't that powerful? Daughter. He's saying you are my child, you're now part of this family. You're not excluded. You're not uh, marginalized, worthless, unclean. I call you daughter. And your faith, daughter, 
in Jesus has made you sozo, whole, spirit, soul, and body, delivered from your sickness, delivered from um, separation from God, and delivered from the shame of that sickness on her. And then, oh, there's more. I forgot this part. Then he sends her off in peace. The Greek word is irene. It means peace, prosperity, quietness, rest, harmonious relationships between men, peace with God. The corresponding Hebrew word is shalom, wholeness, complete, sound, finished, safe, restored. Your faith, daughter, has made you sozo. Now go in shalom. Ah! This is what you have access to. This is what we have to offer the world. Because Jesus did not come to just set 12 men free and have them teach us the Bible. He came to show us what man, filled with the Holy Spirit, in love with God, in love with the people of this world, could release. Shalom. Sozo, wholeness, healing in every area of life. And here's the thing, because I see some of you, you're like, I don't even have that. I can't release that. Wrong. I got to tell you, (laughs) what I'm learning is the less qualified I feel, the more powerfully God can seem to use me. I don't know why. He seems to, in our weakness, get more glory. So don't you dare excuse yourself. Well, I still struggle with depression. I still, I still have sickness in my body that I haven't overcome. Yeah, I don't care. Go pray for people. If God is saying to pray for them and lay hands on them and see them recover, just trust. Just try it. You can't. I, I, anyway. Jesus didn't just let her get away with a cure. He said she had the faith to be whole, spirit, soul, and body, and he made sure she was made whole in spirit, soul, and body. Um, If you want, let's go to Acts 3. I just want to do another story that's similar. Acts 3, starting in verse 1. You guys getting something? Because I'm not going to stop, but um, (laughs) I could reroute. All right, Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. They saw him. They stopped and they looked. And Peter said, look at us. (laughs) He made them look at him, look at them. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. We see this pattern again in these verses, in this story. 
he walked. He was physically healed. Okay, then he leapt. This, this word means springing up. And I don't know if you've ever tried to skip or jump when you're depressed. You don't do it. There was a soul healing in him. They said, I see you. Look at me. I will heal you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he was healed. And that released something inside of him. He was no longer broken. He was no longer outcast. He was no longer just a beggar. Okay? His soul sprang up. He was leaping. He'd been given new hope. And then it says he praised God. And it's safe to assume that this miracle gave him faith in Jesus for his salvation. He began to praise the God who had healed him and worship. Okay? Walking, leaping, praising. Okay? Spirit, soul, body. Except if you say walking, leaping, praising, then it's backwards. I keep doing that in my notes. I'm like, but this is the way I want to say it. So praising, okay, again, your spirit has been made completely, made new. You were born again as a, never, as a new, never-before-seen creation. You were made right with God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He views you as clean, whole. You are a son or a daughter, and you can now love and worship and create and partner with him, and it's beautiful. Have a relationship with him. Okay, and then leaping, soul healing. I want to spend the next few minutes here. It's interesting to me that so much of our culture struggles with mental illness. Let's rise up. Let's offer hope. Let's help them leap again. Okay, soul healing. Um, there are a couple things I think are key to your soul health if this is a struggle for you. It is worship, it is thankfulness, and it is prayer. Okay, that's your mind, your will, and emotions. It is worshiping God. You are bigger than I am. I don't know what I'm worried about, what I'm fixated on, but God, you, you are worthy. You are being a thankfulness. It's really hard to be, um, to compare yourselves with others or to be unsatisfied with your life when you are just thankful. Thankful for the hot water. Thankful for the clean water. Thank you for the roof over your head. Thank you for, thankful that the car started. Thankful that my husband cleaned out the garage so the car could go in the garage and be warm this morning. That was amazing. I told him so. Um, and prayer, okay? Connecting with God, letting him transform us. Okay, your mind, your will, and your emotions. There's a verse in Titus 2.6, and uh, Paul is encouraging and teaching, and he says, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Um, that translation of that word self-controlled actually means think saved. Think sozo. Be self-controlled. Think within the framework of your salvation and what you have. 1 Peter 4, 7 uses that word again. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Think saved. It, mean, it signifies to be of sound mind, in one's right mind, sober-minded. Okay, again, sozo and friend. Think saved. Okay? And God has already provided tools you need for soul health. Obviously, when he comes or somebody comes along and says, I see you and I will pray with you and I will help you out of this mess that begins a healing process, but there are things we can do to stay out of the pit. Does anybody ever go into the pit and you're mad and you're offended and you're angry and you're depressed and worried? We could add to the list. Did I miss any? I'm sure I did. 
God has provided tools, okay? And again, worship, thankfulness, prayer, community. I don't think we can be involved in community and have people who have our back and say, eh, you know you have an offense in that area, and every time we talk, that comes up. You know what that takes, though? You have to be in real relationship, and you have to be real vulnerable, and you have to actually accept correction and accept input. Okay, so community. The other thing about community is serving. When you actually serve other people, and you do stuff for other people, and you serve the kiddos on December 7th, that actually creates a mental health positive for you. It will help pull you out of a pit when you do something for somebody else. Get your mind off yourself. These are all disciplines or habits, and they're going to, here's what I saw. They're going to create, they're going to save you from creating a me feedback loop. Do you guys know what a feedback loop is? I kind of do. Karen probably could explain it better. You know when you put the mic in front of the, the uh, speaker? What happens is, hang on, i got to think this through. I saw it in my mind. It's just a loop. But that sound goes into the speaker and then back through the mic, and, then in, and it just gets bigger and bigger, so you might whisper me. But by the end of the day, it's me. And it creates this me feedback loop that can only be broken through getting your eyes off yourself and getting them onto God. So as Christians, we have tools to overcome these things. We know. Serve. Love. Give. Um, be thankful. Pray. And sometimes, you know what I do when I can't get out of a me loop? Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I remember I told you this a long time ago. You know, the uh, Philippians, I think it says, Think on things that are good and lovely and pure. And I was not thinking about any such things. And I could not get out of that pit, that rut of awful, depressing, um, miserable, offended thinking. And I was out on a walk, and there was this pretty little flower. And I'm like, that's pretty. I will think about the flower. The flower is so pretty, Jesus. Thank you for that flower. I love the color. I love how you created the flowers. And it just started to get me out of that feedback loop. Okay, worship gets your eyes off of you and off of a problem, making God bigger. When we look at Jesus face to face and lift him high, everything else seems smaller and we get to be transformed. We get changed in the process into people that are more like Jesus, that again, can think saved and think more like him. Prayer, we get to express our emotions. This is the thing. If you read through the Psalms, David is like, blah, emotions, blah, good and bad. But then... In prayer, we get, begin to speak out God's promises. We begin, be, we begin to prophesy instead of repeating the problem. We begin to pray for those who hurt us, which you can't do without actually having God's heart for them. So that's a really good test to know if you're actually out of offense or not. Can you pray for that person and actually have God's presence on it? Um, community, we already said. God's word, we have the promises we can be transformed by God's words. He wants to rewire the way we think. Our minds, our brains were designed to think like heaven. We were not designed to carry unforgiveness, offense, um, fear, worry, negative thinking. Those things actually can make your body sick. Okay? How you think. Confusion, fear, suspicion, hopelessness, shame. These are not things that you were created to carry. And they are never from God. Confusion, fear, shame, hopelessness, those are lies from the enemy. Just, just know that, okay? 
They're rooted in lies, not the truth of your salvation and Savior. And I want really quickly to just talk about, look, you are a three-part being. You're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. So especially, um, I read a book by Chris Allerton years ago called Spirit Wars. Good book if you're struggling with depression and wondering how the spirit world factors into that and all different. It's been a while, but it was a good book. But the one thing I remember him saying, he went through a six-month period of just being flat out on the couch depressed. And he said, so interesting because you are a three-part being. Is it physical? Probably. Is it in your soul? Probably. Is it a spiritual battle? Probably. And how do we untangle all that? We don't always know. We just have to trust the Holy Spirit, and we have to just get good counsel and, and have people praying for us. But he said, you know, if you are in a place where you need to take medicine to get you to a place where your soul and your body can be healthy again and free from something like depression, then do it or anxiety, right? So we don't always know. It's not always like, I'm just going to kick the devil out. Yeah, but I can't kick my wounded soul out. It's, it's here. So there's things we have to deal with and we have to look at to be made whole too, um, you know, be aware of that connection and begin to be aware of what is really going on in our thoughts and our emotions, our imaginations, our hopes, our disappointments, okay? Our fears, our guilt, our shame. And when we're more connected to that, our own reality of what's going on, I'm not, again, I'm not creating a me feedback loop. Me, 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 what about me? I just feel this way. It's not that. It's, okay, what is really going inside, on, inside, on inside of me and we can find that kind of healing, then we can be a source to others who need to be whole. And we can say, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. We can begin to declare that. We begin to help other people see the connections and the freedom that they can have. I want to, oh, I'm almost done. I'm going to go a little over. You guys okay? Or do you not want to know how to get free? It's cool. We can just leave it. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I mean, we know how to get free, Jesus. But I want, to, I want to mention real quick, ways our soul health affects our physical health, okay? We already mentioned toxic thoughts, unforgiveness, fear, shame. These, these toxic thoughts that we can have actually create. Uh, neuroscientists look at the brain. It's like a little dark storm cloud of toxicity in your brain that makes you sick. Um, or that's how I picture it. Maybe they didn't actually see that. That's how I picture it. Um, here's one that came up to me as I was thinking through this. If, if as a young child you were given a treat... Every time you were sad, mad, or upset, oh, Susie, it's okay. Let's go get some ice cream. Okay, if, you, if that happened, instead of working through your feelings and emotions, that might have created a physical response to emotional needs. You need an emotional healing, but you've created this pattern of needing a physical response. <laughs> Everybody just keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't look at your wife or husband. <laughs> Okay, so, so things like this that we need to be aware of. This hit me years ago when Jordan was shifting her nap schedule and would just lay in bed and cry because she didn't like the nap schedule I had for her. And I'd be in the closet again like, where's the chocolate? Oh, I might be trying to uh, drown some of my frustration and hopelessness in this moment. Jesus, help me. Okay, if the only time you received attention or got your need for nurture and care met was when you were sick and puking your guts out, 
pay attention when you are feeling lonely, when you are needing affection, when you are needing nurture. Do you tend to get sick? Do you tend to not feel well? Pay attention. Because, because it's triggered. It, there's something inside of you rising up saying, there's a need here. And this is the only way I've known how to get it met before. Let the Holy Spirit highlight these things to you so you can go, oh, I don't have to be sick, but I do need to deal with this root. I do need to deal with the fact that as a child, I never felt like I got nurture unless I was sick. Or, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, I've seen situations where someone feels guilt or shame in an area, but instead of receiving forgiveness, they hold on to the guilt, which lies to them and says, you don't deserve to be healed because you're so bad, because you caused this thing to happen. Or um, sometimes if somebody has lost a child, they, they will hold on to the guilt and the shame of it um, because they don't want to let the child go. The guilt and the shame has nothing to do with your love. The guilt and the shame has nothing to do with the full, complete forgiveness God has for you. And what happens when you hold on to those things, I think, is that when you believe you're too bad to receive the forgiveness because of what had happened, you allow sickness in your body because you deserve to be broken. You deserve to be sick, which is a lie. Jesus took that for you. Uh, the other thing I just jotted down, you know, sometimes we have these soul pains and we try to numb them. Um, drugs, alcohol, entertainment, sleep. You could probably fill in the blank, right? There are ways we try, there's pain that come up. Again, these could be things from when you were five that you don't even know. God just reminded me of something this week that happened as a kid. I don't even remember the actual incident. I just remember being told um, that I had drawn my name on my grandparents' very nice uh, table in, in pen. I carved it in. God brought that up this week and said, do you know how, that, how your parents responded to that affected you? Not that what I did was right. Let's not, you know, kids shouldn't carve in furniture. But how that affected you. I went, huh, can you heal that? Thanks. The Holy Spirit wants to work through these things with us and make us whole and not weird anymore. Praise God. Okay. And so those aren't obviously all the connections, just some I've, I've observed. Um, observed, okay? And again, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to reveal. Spend time with other believers who are going to catch things and things you say and repeat all the time that you don't hear and say or that you don't hear yourself saying. And little by little, these things can break off of you. But I just want you to know, spirit, soul, and body, it is available for you. Okay, so let's, let's close a little bit here. God is both willing and able to heal. Jesus did not heal people against the Father's will. He and the Father were on the same page, and they still are today. And he demonstrated fully what he expects his followers to act like and to release on this earth, animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do it on your own power. And don't create a doctrine based on what you haven't experienced. If you haven't experienced this kind of freedom, if you haven't experienced or heard testimonies of God healing people and God... <laughs> loving people this much. Don't create weird doctrines. Just ask him about it. Seek it out. And disappointments and, and misunderstandings, those can be reasons that we shy away from believing God for healing in all these areas, okay? God is still healing the sick. He is still raising the dead. He is still setting captives free and delivering them from bondage. 
And you have been given authority to go into all the world with signs and wonders, with words of knowledge, with prophecy, laying on, laying on of hands of the sick and seeing them recover. Okay? And here's what I want to do um, as we close at the end. Of, I'll let you guys go. I won't hold everybody captive. But if you're not experiencing the shalom peace of God today and you are being tormented and you are feeling uh, afflicted by uh, um, depression, that's the word, or um, anxiety, things like that, if you just feel like, I don't have that kind of peace, even a little bit, you know, I think sometimes we all struggle with stuff, but even a little bit, I, I've so gotten so far away, I don't know how to find that place back. Um, I want you to come up and get some prayer today. Um, John would love to pray for you. No, I'm kidding. He gave, you're welcome to pray. I will pray for you. It's on my heart. I was just, I don't know why I did that. All right, so let's stand up if you can, and we'll pray and we'll let you go. Father God, I just thank you. You are, you are better than, than we deserve and we could imagine. And God, I just pray that people would know in this place, if they have never experienced your love in this way, if they have never realized that, God, you just are that good. But God, I just thank you that they, this truth is just beginning to saturate their heart right now. And that, God, even as they leave here and as they sleep and as they go about their day tomorrow, God, that this truth just resonates and that creates a feedback loop of God in their heart and creates this firm foundation, this firm truth, this unshakable truth in your goodness and your love and your ability to, to make us whole. So just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on the count of three. We can say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And um, you guys can go eat some awesome snacks, all right? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.